Well, good evening. It's good to see those who are here tonight. We're slim pickings in the house tonight. Uh, we don't have Awana. Uh, we don't. Uh, we have a small group of youth uh, who are uh, meeting, uh, I believe, somewhere else off-site for a, a bonfire uh, kind of thing. So uh, want to pray for them uh, that everything will go well for them. They'll have a great time together fellowshipping with one another. Uh, pray for all our Awana and uh, teachers, uh, the kids as well as the teachers as they're on fall break uh, this week. And so we're also taking our fall break with Awana so be in prayer for them uh, that they'll be refreshed, revived, ready to hit the road again next Wednesday night for Awana. But want to welcome you tonight, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, any of those platforms that you're there online with, our phone live streaming, welcome there also. Uh, we are watching on Facebook there. Uh, on any of those platforms, be sure to follow us if you haven't already. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, do the same thing there on Twitter. Uh, you can also uh, retweet us on Twitter. You can like us and share us there uh, on from YouTube to any of your other social media platforms. Uh, you can also uh, like us there and share us from Facebook. Uh, please be sure to comment. Uh, more than just uh, I'm watching, uh, the more you say of a comment there, uh, just fits their algorithms better to make it that you realize that this is something important that you feel like others should watch and YouTube will pick that up or Facebook will pick that up and they will share that with others as you make comments, as you like, as you heart. So it's a great way uh, for you to uh, reach out to other people and sharing it with them. Uh, let us know any prayer requests that you may have, especially if you have access there to Facebook. That's where we're looking at the live uh, for any Facebook comments. I've already seen several people on Facebook who are live with us tonight so welcome to you and just want to again say welcome to those on our phone live streaming if you need that number we'll be glad to give that to you uh, just call the church office or see me after the service if you have access to the church website go to highlandbaptistchurch.com it's under the info tab that you can download today's worship bulletin so be sure to get that uh, downloaded for this week uh, all the upcoming activities are in that uh, also, and then download the children's worship bulletins. They're in the windowsill to my right here, as well as they're at the doors. Uh, the regular bulletin is when you come in. And then while you're under that info tab, uh, be sure to go ahead and get your prayer list downloaded. Uh, you can just look at it there on your device if you want. Uh, but go to Highland Baptist Church under the info tab, just a few down, you'll see the prayer list there. That's for this week. If you need it in person, they're on the front pew here. So make sure if anybody comes in late that they get one of those. And while you're on the church website there, also go ahead and do your online giving if you've not done your giving yet. Uh, you can go to that far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. Uh, you can do your regular giving, your golden offering uh, for Tennessee Missions giving. You can do our, any of our budget offering giving as special offerings. So be sure to take the time to do that and then continue to pray for our golden offering for Tennessee Missions. So we've got a lot of things coming up uh, in the way of missions and outreach opportunities. And one of those is our Trunk or Treat event. So we wanna encourage you if you've not already planned uh, to help us to put that on your radar. Uh, yes, that's the end of the month and it seems like that's a ways out, but that will be here before we know it. We need individuals who will come and set up a car and decorate that car and give candy out of the back of, of their vehicle. We'll have candy if you don't have candy, uh, but encourage you to bring some if you can. Uh, if you wanna help us just by bringing candy, you can drop that off at the church here. We have a box outside the office here you can drop that in. Uh, you can help us with serving refreshments, uh, just mingling with the people, talking with the people. You can help us with traffic control. Uh, we're gonna need a lot of that, don't we, Jimmy? 
<laughs> so we, this is one of our biggest outreaches to the community uh, that we have in sharing the gospel and putting our church on their radar so that they know uh, that we are here when they need us so that we can be able to reach out to them. But that's going to be October 31st from 5 to 7. Even if you don't know what you would decorate a car, we've got decorations already done from previous years for other vehicles so uh, let myself know let miss linda uh, smith know we'll be glad to get you a decoration for your vehicle uh, to help and help you to even set that up so just wanted to remind you of that event uh, that's coming and i think that's it we've got a couple other things with that that we'll be asking you to help us with with that with some mail outs and things like that but uh, we'll get that later brother mike Okay, you stumped me. What was that song? The Wonder of It All. George Beverly Shea. I didn't recognize that one. Anyway, take your hymnals, turn to 476, and let's sing all three verses of Be Strong in the Lord. strong in the Lord and be of good courage your mighty defender is always the same mount up with wings as the eagle ascending victory is sure when you call on his name Yeah. 
Thank you, Brother Mike, and thank you, Miss Pat. And again, let me just remind you, if you're there on Facebook, be sure to uh, share your requests there. You can share your requests if you're watching on any of the other platforms. We just won't see those in the live, but we will see those, and we will get those added to the prayer list. So be sure to comment anywhere you want to there, but that's where we'll see uh, the live requests there. Uh, we, I was planning to go through the whole list tonight, but then I thought, well, we don't have all of our group here in the building that I could have asked about some of the other requests. So we're going to go over those, the whole list uh, next week uh, and kind of clean up the list again. Uh, so just want to uh, hit a few of the highlights that I know of. If you know of any in the building, please let us know any updates, any requests that we need to add. Um, on the Highland Baptist Church family uh, side, uh, we do want to just... Uh, continue to remember uh, Jewel Farrell and Hilda Corley both are still doing some tests there They still don't know what the situation was with either one of those but then uh, also be in prayer for Bill Warren uh, With his issues with cancer and then uh, just to share with you again another update uh, From Lori uh, about her mom uh, Miss Bernice Cox who passed away uh, Last week they are going to be doing her ceremony uh, tomorrow at 11 uh, o'clock it will be um, it will be on YouTube, I guess. And so um, we will share that uh, link in our uh, page there so you can be able to see that and send that out uh, so that you can uh, be able to click on that. That's um, not something we can usually make a call out about because you, you wouldn't be able to write the, the address down. But we will send, put that out on our social media platforms so you can see that and be able to click on the link. It'll be at 11 o'clock tomorrow for Miss Bernice Cox. Any others on our Highland Baptist Church family that you know of that we need to update besides those on the nursing home list? How's Brother Stone doing? Had a good week. Okay, good. He had had some issues a couple of weeks ago, and uh, glad everything's going better for him. Um, on the friends and family side, we'll come back to the nursing home side here in just a moment, but on the friends and family side, uh, there was one I needed to update you with, and let's see here. I don't see it, so I must have gotten rid of it there. Uh, do just continue to remember Janie Town uh, and Terry Parrish. Uh, they're the sisters of Donna Agcock. Any other update on Donna? Okay, I didn't think so as we mentioned earlier there, but do want to keep them in your prayers. Uh, one, we hope, is in the nursing home uh, by now that they've been praying for that situation for the other has been at home uh, recovering. Uh, the one that I did not uh, have down here that is not on the prayer list anymore is uh, Becky uh, Moffat's daughter. Uh, she is back to work. She is doing great. She shared that with me Sunday, so uh, we removed her uh, from the prayer list. Um, and then also just continue to remember Kim Tucker, who was a request from Stan Smith, uh, who has cancer. She's a, a teacher or administrator down in uh, Franklin County. Uh, so I want to remember her. And then also remember Wilbur Warren, who is Bill Warren's brother, uh, who has some um, issues going on again uh, from his uh, respiratory issues. So any other friends, families, additions there, updates there? saw Sandra Wells is watching us there online. She's got an upcoming surgery 
uh, hopefully that they can get that scheduled for her, but just continue to pray for her with her kidneys. Um, we do wanna mention uh, tonight uh, on our friends and family side, uh, Amy asked me if I would share uh, just for a prayer request too, that she uh, does have a, uh, an infection and uh, had some antibiotics uh, shot as well as oral. Uh, she's gonna be out tomorrow. So uh, she's been running a little bit of a fever off and on the last couple of days. Uh, she was out one day completely. So uh, just keep her in your prayers. Uh, last time things got really bad and she had to wind up in the hospital with. So. Uh, just want to continue to remember her uh, in our prayers and she's having to drink a lot of fluids uh, tomorrow all right so on our highland baptist on our nursing home and assisted living uh, side there we have mary campbell who's at nhc peggy eggleston at life care uh, susie barton at morning point um, birdie davis at brookdale miss janet carter at macarthur manor she's usually listening on our phone live streaming and then Floyd Prince and Sue Prince, who are at Morning Point, and Miss Beverly Daniel, who is also at Life Care doing rehab. Is any update on her? Do you know? Okay. All right. So just keep all those in your prayers. Any other additions, any other prayer requests we need to mention tonight? Looking on Facebook, and I don't see any there. Yes, we do want to remember Israel uh, in our prayers, all those people. Uh, uh, just all the innocent people who are being affected by this on both sides there uh, and so just want to remember uh, all of that and so let's uh, remember all of them in our prayers uh, so let's go to the Lord then uh, tonight Heavenly Father we just want to thank you for who you are and your many blessings that you have given to us Father we praise your name for loving us and caring for us uh, and sending your son Jesus to down the cross for our sins and we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. We don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you tonight. We want to come before you with clean hearts uh, and open minds, Lord. And so we come confessing those sins. Shine the light of your truth into our hearts that we might see any uh, sin, any sinful thoughts, any words or actions or deeds that we may have done or that we may have even thought in our minds that were sinful that we need to confess so that there's nothing hindering our walk with you. So, Father, I pray that you would... Uh, hear our prayers tonight as we come confessing that sin, that you would wash us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Give us a fresh start uh, in our walk with you and hear our prayers tonight as we come on behalf of many uh, in our prayers tonight. Lord, we want to uplift all those who are on our Highland Baptist Church family uh, list uh, and just ask God for you to continue to be with each one of them, be with those who are our friends and family. And Lord, you know their physical situations. Many of these are physical needs and we know that you're the great physician. So we uplift them along with those who are in the nursing homes, uh, those who are in care centers. Father, we just pray that uh, your healing hand would be upon each one of these to bring the healing to their bodies uh, that they so desperately need but Lord we know along with that also as we know many times there are many other needs that go along with those things and so father we just want to uplift all those needs to you they're none too great for you to handle uh, or, or for not too many for you to handle at once and so we just give them all to you we ask Lord for you to provide for these individuals show your power and your glory and your majesty as you bring healing to their bodies thank you Lord for those who uh, have received 
received healing for those who uh, you are working in their lives. And Father, I just pray that your healing hand will be upon them too and use them as a testimony and a witness to those uh, around them, uh, whether it's caregivers or their friends, family, uh, to testify the healing they've received. Father, I pray for these that are going through difficulties that they would receive that healing also, that they might use that as a testimony and witness. But Lord, we know that everything is in your will and your time and your way. And we know, Lord, that sometimes we have to go through difficult situations. We uh, have to face uh, physical issues because of sin uh, in this world that deteriorates the body. And Father, I pray uh, that whether it's uh, by things we've done to our bodies, by the choices we've made, or whether it's of no fault of our own, that it's just something that's happened, uh, that maybe it's there so that you can use it to bring glory to your name. Lord, give us the, the patience. Give us, Lord, the, the perseverance to keep pressing forward uh, in the midst of all those things, to trust you, to lean upon you. And Father, I pray that you will just uh, have your hand upon us in a powerful way, that as we walk through the valleys of trouble and trial and tribulation, even the valleys of the shadow of death, Lord, that all of that, as your word says, would be used for good in our hearts and our lives, and it would be used to bring glory to your name for those who love the Lord, for those who are the called according to your purpose. And so, Father, we just ask your blessings upon each one of these uh, in that way. Lord, we know that there may be some who are on this list, others that we have upon our hearts who don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and we just pray, God, that you will touch their hearts, use situations that they're going through in their lives to bring them to the place that there's no other place for them to look but to you and to trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And so, Father, I pray that you'll do your salvation work in their hearts and in their lives to bring them to that. Lord, we want to pray for all the turmoil and the strife going on around our nation, around the world, especially uh, in Israel and the Middle East there. Lord, we pray for uh, the Israelis there, the Jewish people who are, who are facing difficulties there with the loss of so many uh, in the, the attacks there uh, by those who uh, wanted to do harm to them. But Lord, we know that there are others who are uh, in, in Gaza there also who are not a part of that. And Father, I just pray that you'll protect them. You'll protect each one of those sides, Lord, and that through all of this, some way, somehow, you'll bring your will about and that you'll bring glory and honor there also and that you'll bring peace uh, Lord, we know ultimate peace will come there uh, in the end uh, when you set up your millennial kingdom. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will bring peace to this particular situation. And Father, I pray that uh, your will will be done there. Protect your people, uh, Lord, and keep your hand upon them. Lord, bless us tonight as we go back to the Old Testament once again. Uh, to look at the book of Haggai. And Father, I pray that we'll see that this book doesn't just apply to the Jewish people. It applies to us as Gentiles also. And Father, I pray that your hand will be upon your word tonight. Use it in a powerful way to give us application for our lives from this wonderful, small little book, but yet so powerful in its words. Lord, I pray that your blessings will be upon us tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Again, if you didn't get your prayer request in before we did the prayer request there, uh, be sure to make your comments there. We'll still take a look, uh, hopefully back there at Facebook to see if you've given us any of those prayer requests before we sign off. So take your Bibles, if you will. You can turn to Haggai chapter 2. That's where we're ultimately going. But we want to pick up where we left off uh, last time in Haggai uh, in chapter 1. 
so we had been looking at several uh, different things here. This is a short chapter. We talked a little bit about uh, what the situation here was with Haggai. Haggai was a, is a minor prophet. Uh, his book is very small. It's the second smallest uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, Obadiah being the smallest uh, because this is only one chapter. Haggai has two chapters. But in this chapter, Haggai has four messages that he's preaching. We already looked at the first one, and we're on the last point of his first message in chapter uh, 1 and verse 12 when we finished last time, and we were going to pick that up. So what's happened here, just to refresh those who may not have been here with us last week, is the nation of Israel has come back from the exile in Babylon. They have come back for the express purpose because they had heard uh, that how the temple lay waste, and they came back to rebuild the temple. As a side part of that, they would rebuild the city, rebuild their own homes and those things. Well, we found out they laid the foundation and they had a great celebration because things were going great. And then their enemies began to rise up against them, began to cause difficulties for them. And poof, the work stopped. For 16 years, the work stopped. And it sat there as a foundation. That didn't mean that they were lazy and didn't do anything in that 16 years. They were over there on the other side of the road building their own houses, uh, building their own places of business, uh, building the, mer the merchant places. And so they were doing all of those things, and yet there lay God's house still unfinished. And that's what Haggai's first message is about. He's saying, wake up. Do you not get what you're doing? The priority needs to be on God, not on you. Uh, and so he's calling them in all of these messages that we're looking at, he's calling them to repentance. So the first thing he told them in the message was stop making excuses about why you haven't continued with the work. Uh, start considering your ways. Start thinking about what you're doing. You're focused on your own stuff. And here is God's house that lays in waste still. What you need to do is you need to begin to serve the Lord. And that's what we see in verse 12 down through verse 15. So in this point here of beginning to serve the Lord, the main idea here is, is that when the people of Israel heard the word of the Lord, they repented together and obeyed God. That was one of the things we saw about Haggai last week is that Haggai's messages are different than some of the other prophets. It stands in a stark contrast. Many of the other prophets preached their messages. They ignored it. Uh, they brushed it off. No big deal. We're not following. And he's not going to do anything to us. We're not going to do what the Lord's told us to do. And so when we looked there, we saw they just brushed it off. Uh, and here with Haggai, he preaches his message, they hear the message, and they obey the message, uh, which was different from uh, all the other prophets. Uh, they repented, they obeyed, and as they obeyed, God begins to affirm his presence with them. And so the first thing we see about beginning to serve the Lord is God's word led to fear of the Lord and repentance. We see that in verse 12, so let's pick up with verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Now, that's a great result from the beginning uh, message here. 
Uh, that's what you would want to see. You preach God's word, you share God's word, people hear and respond and, and repent of sin, come to faith in Christ. Uh, you see God's hand at work. And so God's word is to go forth and not return void, not return empty. Uh, is, is, his word is to bring obedience. God had spoken through Haggai, and the people had heard God's voice, and they responded obediently. And so here in verse 12, we see that the high priest, he was the first to respond. As the high priest responded, so did the people. Uh, all of this then was precipitated by one significant event, the proclamation of God's word. So we see two distinct phrases in this verse that explains the significance of God's words in the lives of the Jewish people. First, and most clearly, the text tells us here in verse 12 that the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Now, there's a, there's a thing you need to make sure that you, you notice there uh, when it says they obeyed the voice of the Lord whose God? Their God. Sometimes you'll see in the scripture where someone will make a comment and they'll talk about the Lord, your God. In other words, he's not my God, he's your God. I'll do whatever I want to, you do whatever you want to. And that's the kind of world that we live in today. But here in the text, we see that they have accepted God as their Lord, as the authority over them. He is their Lord. They obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. So what we see is God spoke and they listened. However, it wasn't as if God audibly spoke to them from heaven. So how did God speak? And how did they hear? Well, the, voice, the word goes on to tell, the verse goes on to tell and to point out that God spoke through his prophet Haggai. So continuing on in this verse, we're reminded that the people obeyed God's voice. And second, they obeyed Haggai's voice, his words. Why? Because the Lord had sent him. So you see that it says, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. So here he is, God's messenger, preaching God's word. And they not only hear God and obey him, they hear what Haggai is saying, and they listen and obey him because the Lord had sent him. So all things considered, verse 12 indicates three very important realities about God's word and our obedience. First, God's word is powerful. God's word is effective. God's words are designed by God to cut, to cut quickly and effectively through the clutter and through the chaos in our hearts and to simply define his will for us in, his, in, in a manner that, that compels us to obey him. So God's words are powerful and effective. I mean, think about how was this world created? God's word. God spoke. And the heavens were formed. God spoke and there were stars in the heaven. God spoke and there was water. God spoke and there were animals. God spoke and there were birds. God spoke and there were fishes. It wasn't until he came to man that he fashioned man. Well, we find out he, he created with his words because his words are powerful. His words are authoritative also. But, but God's chosen method for delivering his words is most often through a prophet. Here was Haggai who was a prophet. He was delivering God's word under God's power and because of God's authority. And the third thing we see, the third lesson we see in verse 12 is that we, that we can learn regarding the words of God is the power of leadership in respect to repentance. So understand, 
it's no small thing that when confronted by God's words, uh, that the Israelite people responded, but only after the high priest. So when the high priest first responded, then they responded. Uh, and, and so uh, he was like a, a model, if you will, uh, of repentance. He first modeled repentance. And so good leadership, and all of us are in some form of leadership, understand that. As an adult, you are a leader whether you like it or not. Because there, at the very least, there are little children who are looking up to you as a model for what to do, what not to do. Uh, they're watching your actions. They're listening to your words. Uh, they're seeing your, your behavior, how you act, things you do, things you don't do. Uh, they think, well, if it's not important to him, who I believe is a Christian, why should it be important to me? And so all of us as believers are uh, to be a leader of some sort. And so uh, good leadership leads by example. You lead by example in humility, and you lead by example in obedience to God's word. And so it's hard to overstate how significant this is. It's powerful to note that in response to the high priest's obedience, the entire remnant of the Israelite people repented. God's word brought those people to repentance, but God's word also brought the fear of the Lord. So in response to the preaching there, the Israelite people, they repented. They didn't just merely change their behavior, though. This passage points out that they were completely reoriented around the nature and the character of God because verse 12 ends with that statement that the people feared the Lord. Now that word is not meaning there that they were, oh, I'm afraid of God. It's a stand in awe. Uh, or even a kneel in awe uh, of God in his presence, that he is a holy and a righteous God, and I am nothing but filthy rags before him. And so the statement is a powerful one, one in which is sometimes a little bit difficult for us to understand in the English because the original word used here really doesn't have an exact equivalent uh, in the English language. And so it brings about a couple of ideas about fear, neither of which conveys the idea, as we said, of terror, if you will. Uh, but instead, it combines the picture of affection and, and worship driven by an acute awareness of God's character. That I, I'm drawn by the love that I have towards God, that affection to worship him. But I understand when I come into his presence, he is a holy and a righteous God. And where I am standing in his presence, I am on holy ground. And so th that fear conveys a sense of submission to the authority of God in response to God's character. In other words, the people who, who become intimately aware of who, God's, who God is, his holiness and his awesome power, among other things, are compelled to bow in obedience and submission. So our awareness of God ought to drive us to our knees in confession and humility, compelling us to obey. But not only does the word fear there convey the idea of submission in response to God's character, but it also communicates uh, a sense of awe because of God's power and God's might. So the people here, the Israelite people here, they were repenting and they were preparing to walk in obedience partly because they were driven 
to worship God as they became more distinctly aware of his might. And just like, so just like we walk in, in disobedience, when we find ourselves walking in disobedience, we find ourselves also confronted with God's word. And our response ought to be grounded in a fear of God that I realize I have stepped out of the will of God and I need to get back to where he wants me to be. And then we also see in this message the repentance of the people led to the restoration of the temple. We see this in verse 13 down through verse 15. So verse 13 says, Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. And so the messenger of the Lord delivers the message of the Lord in verse 13. That word messenger there is important. Uh, the root word for messenger, uh, unsurprisingly, is the same word for message uh, that we find a little later in this verse. And while that uh, is unsurprising, the meaning of, this, of, of the similarity has something important to say to us about the role of the messenger, of the preacher. The root of these words speaks to God's word being given to humanity, being given to people. It's intended to convey the idea that words, the words we hear from God's word, the words you hear as, as I am preaching even, are to be directly from God. That's why I always, when I, when I come into the pulpit, I'm always nervous because I want to make sure that I'm, I'm giving God's word completely, truly, honestly, not leading people astray uh, in one way or the other. So I want to stay right in the center as best I can. I make mistakes sometimes. Um, every, every person does as a human. But we ought to make sure that no matter who we are, as we're sharing with our friends, as we're sharing with our kids, as we're sharing with our family members, that we are telling them what God's word says, not what I think, not what my preference is. Uh, not what, the, not what the, 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 the world thinks is the right way. It's intended here, uh, the, the root of this word of, of messenger is intended to convey the idea that the words we're hearing are directly from God. So not only does the messenger have the responsibility as a representative of God, the preacher also has a tremendous responsibility to ensure that the words, the words I speak, in fact, are the words that God has laid on my heart to share. And so the Lord promises his presence to people to stir them to obedience. That's what he says in verse 13. So verse 13 there ends with a declaration. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. Uh, now this declaration is more than, than someone simply making a statement here. Instead of being just a statement of confidence, this declaration actually carries some weight with it. It carries the weight of a legal transaction, if you will. It, it's a certain promise, a certain promise, a sure promise, if you will, from God uh, on his now repentant people. And so this promise is significant as it stands, but we see God make this promise again over in chapter 2 in verse 4 that we're going to see again. So what is the pro this promise that God felt so compelled to declare to his people? Simply put, he promises that he's with them. 
That's a promise of comfort, it's a promise of blessing, and most of all, it's a promise of grace. But doesn't he make that promise to us? He says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so the Lord stirs the spirit of the leaders and the people to encourage them, to equip them to obey, as verse 14 speaks of there. And again, leadership matters. It's not uh, insignificant that the cascading order of obedience in verse 14 is first, the spiritual leadership is enabled. Second, the political leadership responds. And then finally, the people obey. And, and so, you know, God doesn't need leaders to accomplish his work. He can do that without me. He can do that without you. But he chooses to do that. He chooses to use individuals that he calls into the ministry. He's ordained people to accomplish his purpose and has specifically chosen to use leaders to move people to accomplish his purpose. So in this verse, not only does leadership respond, but we see leadership responds as God stirs their hearts. And it reminds us of a series of important principles that ought to guide all of us. That first, leadership leads as God enables us. Secondly, that everything is theological. Everything you do ought to come back to the Word of God. Every decision you make ought to some way come back to the Word of God. In other words, when, when you've got a decision to make in your life, what, what would God have me do? What does God's Word say? Is there any direction from God's Word about what I'm supposed to do? And so uh, we need to come back to God's word. It needs to always come back to God. Theo, meaning God, logical, the study of God, uh, learning about what God's will is. And so finally, people generally only respond as their leaders call them. If nobody's calling, if nobody's, you don't have a preacher, if you don't have someone who's declaring the truth, we know that from Romans, if, if there is no preacher, there is no word, if they don't hear, how would they come to faith? Uh, in God. And, and so, and that doesn't mean the office of preacher. That means any of us proclaiming the word of God. So he allows us that privilege of leading others uh, to follow uh, him. And, and that's, a, that's an honor and a privilege uh, that we have. And, and so that's in fact the crux of Paul's point when he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. When he says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ or be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That ought to be the message of our lives. We ought to be saying to others, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. The problem is many of us aren't imitating Christ. So, so we, we, we have a difficulty in saying that, follow what I'm doing. I'll, I'll share with you. I'll, I'll demonstrate it before you. I'll disciple you. And, and so leadership matters but only as far as it's empowered by God to lead others, to honor God and advance his purpose. And so may that be the message for all of us uh, that we would follow that message and follow what Haggai is saying here. And so that brings us to Haggai chapter 2. And this part is called, Where Are You Looking? We talked about before, you need to be looking uh, inside, taking a hard, long look at who you are, where you are, what you're doing, where your relationship is with the Lord. But Haggai chapter 2 comes to three messages here. And I'm going to try to get through those as quickly as we can. I may not get through everything. We may have to tag it on to Zechariah next time. Uh, which is fine because both of them go together, as we'll see in a moment. So as we come to Haggai 2, it's one thing to get people's people, God's people back to work, which is what they needed to do, get back to the work of building uh, the temple. But it's quite another thing to keep them working, to keep them on the job. I mean, 
You can say, come on, guys, let's go back to work. And the first day you're, you're working, and man, it gets hard. Maybe it's hot out. Uh, it's hard labor uh, working in the, on these stones, working on the wood there, trying to rebuild uh, this temple. You know, somebody said that the greatest ability a person can possess is dependability, but too often potential workers excuse themselves saying, here am I, Lord, send somebody else. <laughs> you know, and so the rebuilding of the temple, that was a very special task because it meant the restoring of true worship in Jerusalem. And completing that project would bring glory to the Lord. It would be a great testimony to the unbelieving nation around them. I mean, the unbelieving nation is looking and seeing, look at your God's temple. Our God's temple is built over here. It's a fine looking thing over here. Your God must not be much of a God because your temple's just laying in waste. And so that was a testimony uh, about God himself when they left that where it was. And that's why this is a huge matter here. And, and so completing it is going to be a testimony to the nations. Haggai here, he delivers three more brief messages to encourage the laborers to complete their assignments. Now, it would be easy for Haggai to point out all the bad things, to point out all the negative. It would be easy for Haggai to look at the glass and say, what? It's half empty. The other way to look at that glass is it's half full. So you can look at the glass either way, negatively or positively. Haggai chooses as from the leadership of God, under the leadership of God, as he brings these next three messages to look at the glass half full. Here are some good things. Focus on these good things. You keep pressing on in the work. God is blessing you. Let me encourage you, as we sang a while ago, stay strong in the Lord. And so uh, that's what we're going to see here. He delivers these messages. Each message, he asks them to look in a specific direction to learn what God wants them to learn. First, he says, look up. He says, look up, because here's what I want you to remember. While you're out there laboring, when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, here's what I want you to remember. And this is a message for us today. God is with us. God is with us. So no matter how difficult life gets, no matter how hard the strain is, look up and remember God is with us. So when the foundation of the temple had been laid 16 years before, some of the older men had looked back in sorrow as they remembered the glory and the beauty of Solomon's temple. Remember, Solomon's temple was described as a beautiful wonder. Uh, it, was, it was just huge. It was awesome. It was beautiful. Ezra chapter 3 uh, is where we read that, that some of the older ones who had been there before, who, who had saw it before, they wept when they came back and they saw uh, the destruction there. It's likely that Haggai was a member of that older generation and had seen the temple before it was destroyed. But we find that he doesn't weep with the rest of his fellow men as well as prophets there, his peers. He rejoices that the work had begun. He looks and says, well, at least the foundation was laid. Let's take and build on that. We don't have to start with that. That's already been done. Praise the Lord. So he rejoices that the work had begun and he wanted to see it completed. Now, there was discouragement. So look at verse 1 down through verse 3. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Here's what he was told to do. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, 
who is the governor. So speak to the political leader. Speak to the governor of Judah and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Who's he? He's a high priest. So you got the political leader, you got the religious leader. Speak to both of those. And so he says, speak to, speak to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people and say. So he's working his way down here. Uh, the political, the religious leader, and the people. Here's what he says. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Who here remembers Solomon's temple and all of its glory and all of its splendor? And he says, how do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? He says, look at that foundation. I mean, he's not whitewashing over that here is, uh, oh, we've got a foundation, let's build on that. He says, here's the reality, that looks pitiful. It looks pitiful. All, when you look at that foundation and you think about what Solomon's temple looked like, it's pitiful. Haggai faces the problem here head on when the people compare the two temples. He picks an important day on which to deliver his message. It's on October the 17th, which would be the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the feast that was devoted to praising God for the harvest and for remembering Israel's days of wandering in the wilderness. But the important thing about the date was this. It was during the Feast of the Tabernacles that King Solomon had dedicated the temple. Remember that? That happened at this time. So it's an important time that Haggai is doing this. It's on that time when, when Solomon had dedicated the temple, that original temple, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 2. And Haggai wanted the people to get the point here. We're, we're here on this day, gathered here, looking at this foundation on the very day that Solomon had dedicated the temple that he built. And look at what we have. That restored building had nothing of the splendor of Solomon's temple. But it was still God's house, built according to God's plan for his glory. And so the same ministry would be performed at its altars and the same worship presented to the Lord. Times change, but ministry still goes on. Notice the encouragement that comes there. So that's the little bit of discouragement in verse uh, down from verse 1 down to verse 3 notice the encouragement of God's presence in verse 4 it begins and says yet now you see what it is but here's what I want you to think about here's what I want you to focus on be strong O Zerubbabel you're the political leader you be strong declares the Lord you be strong, O Joshua of Jehozadak, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the religious leader. You be strong. Be strong, all you peoples of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, according to the, to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while 
I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord. So Haggai, he doesn't wash thing, sweep things under the rug. He doesn't deny that the temple was as nothing in comparison to what Solomon had built. But, what was it, but that wasn't the thing that was important. The important thing in Haggai's message was that this was God's work. And if this is God's work, you can depend on him to help you finish the work. And so Haggai says three times there, to the political leader, be strong, to the governor. To the high priest, be strong. To the people who are working on the building, be strong. And those two words would be very, very significant to them. Why? Because they remember hearing those words from stories told to them by their parents over and over and over throughout the generations. Those two words were important to them because during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews had the book of Deuteronomy that would be read to them. So they heard the record of the three times that Moses told Joshua to be strong. And when Joshua told the people to be strong, no doubt they also remembered the three times the Lord told Joshua to be strong when King David charged Solomon with the task of building the original temple. What did he say to his son? Three times, be strong. Be strong wasn't just some empty phrase. It wasn't an Instagram post that we get feel-good feelings from. It wasn't just some empty phrase. It was an important part of their own Jewish history. It's one thing to tell people to be strong and to work and quite something else to give them something solid, a solid foundation for those words of encouragement. So Haggai told them why you ought to be strong and work. Because notice what verse 4 said. Because the Lord is with you. It's not you're being strong out of your own uh, self-determination that you're going to work it up within yourself to be the strong person you need to be. It's because the Lord's with you. And so the promise of God's presence was an encouragement both to Joshua and to Solomon. And we can also claim the same promise as we serve the Lord because Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise of God's presence with his people is guaranteed by his unchanging word. Remember what verse 5 said there? According to the covenant, according to the promise that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Two more powerful words. Be strong and don't fear. Fear not. And, and so uh, we see the encouragement of God's covenant, that promise there that guarantees God's unchanging word. When the tabernacle was dedicated by Moses, remember that was just a movable structure, a tent that moved from place to place as the Lord led. When, when he dedicated that, you remember what happened? God's presence moved in 
because the Lord had promised to dwell with his people. And the same Holy Spirit who enabled Moses and those leaders, those elders to lead the people throughout that wilderness, he's saying to them, that same Spirit is going to be with you as you lay every stone, as you hammer every nail, as you rebuild this temple. He's going to be with you. Now the prophet Zechariah that we're going to look at next time, who ministered with Haggai, also emphasizes the importance of trusting the Holy Spirit uh, because of the enablement needed to do God's will. You can't do it in your own strength. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, that we'll get to in a few weeks, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. A.W. Tozer once said, if God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would just go right on. And nobody would even know the difference. What an indictment against the church. And so we see the encouragement here of God's covenant, but then we also see the encouragement of God's promise. Look at verse 6 again. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, he says, I'm going to shake everything. The heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land. I'm even going to shake all the nations of this earth. And, and so with this prophetic insight, Haggai looks ahead to the time when the Son of God is going to minister in this temple and bring the glory of God into its walls. You remember Herod's temple replaced Zerubbabel's temple that was built. But the Jews still considered it the second temple. So certainly the glory that Jesus brought into that temple was greater than the glory of the tabernacle of, uh, or even the temple that Solomon built when Jesus himself comes into that temple. Then Haggai, in his prophecy here, looks even farther into the future, and he sees the end of the ages when God is going to shake the nations and Jesus is going to return, as verse 7 tells us there. That verse is quoted in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 26 and verse 27. And where it's quoted there in its context, it's, it's applied to the return of Jesus Christ at the end of the age. Not in his day, not in Haggai's day, but the end of the age. God had shaken Sinai, Mount Sinai, when he gave the law. And he says, I'm going to shake the nations before I send my son again. Matthew chapter 24. Read Matthew 24 and you'll read about that. The shaking of the earth that's going to come when Jesus returns. But today, God's people belong to a kingdom that can't be shaken. And they will share the glory of Christ when he establishes his kingdom on this earth. And so in both Jewish and Christian tradition, the phrase, the desire of all nations there in verse 7, or the treasures of all nations there, has generally been interpreted as the messianic title of, uh, of Christ. The nations of the world inwardly desire what Christ alone can give, uh, wh whether they recognize that spiritually in their hearts or not. Charles Wesley followed this interpretation of it when he wrote his Christian hymn, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, from this passage. It says this in one of the verses, Come, desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. In the Hebrew text, the verb there, will come, is plural. 
while desire there is singular. So some interpreters translate desired as, as a compound word, the desirable things of the nations, the treasures of the nations. So the remnant, the remnant, the people who've come back from Babylon, they don't have anything. So he's not talking about them. He's not talking about their treasures. They don't even have any treasures. They came back with just the clothes on their backs. And so they don't have the treasures. So what he's talking about here, they, they don't have any beautiful treasures to, to fix up the temple. But when the Messiah comes to reign, the treasures of the nations are going to be brought to him. And when you read about the millennial kingdom, that's exactly what's going to happen in the millennial age, in the thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. The glory referred to in Haggai 2.7 is the glory of Jesus brought to the temple in Jerusalem. But the glory in verse 9 refers to the glory of the millennial temple that's going to function as Christ uh, during Christ's reign on this earth. Isaiah talks about it, Isaiah 60, verse 1 through verse 5. Zechariah talks about it in Zechariah 14 and verse 14. It teaches that the nations are going to bring their wealth to the king when Israel is established in the promised kingdom. So God not only promised that the coming uh, of the Messiah and the glory of God in the future temples, but he also in verse 9 promises peace. So in this place refers to the city of Jerusalem where the Messiah uh, is going to reign as the prince of peace. Now those who believe on Jesus today have peace with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. When we look at the nation of Israel today, you could have said this last week, you can definitely say it this week, there is no peace. There is no peace. This peace he's talking about is a peace that's coming in the future. There's one final word of encouragement that I close with of God's provision. Look at verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. So what God is assuring them here in this part of the message is that in spite of how bad things are and you don't have nothing but the clothes on your back, you've got a bad economy, you don't have a lot of wealth, he says, I am able to provide because the silver is mine and the gold is mine. True, the remnant had promises of provision from the government, but the government grants were limited. God owns all the wealth, even the wealth stored in the king's treasury, and he can see fit to distribute it as he desires. So understand this about your situation. God promises to supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And it's far better to fail in an endeavor that you know will ultimately succeed than to succeed in an endeavor that you know will ultimately fail. The humble temple the Jewish remnant was constructing, it wasn't going to last. It wasn't going to last. And even Herod's temple would be destroyed by the Romans. But there would one day be a glorious temple that nobody could destroy or defile. And knowing this, the discouraged remnant could take courage and finish the work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a powerful, powerful message that we've seen so far. Father, I pray that we would hear your word to us tonight to be of good courage, to not fear, to finish the work. Lord, that's a New Testament word for us, that we are to complete the work 
that, that you have called us to. We're to be faithful in the work you place before us. Lord, we don't have to do <clears throat> things outside or come up with some great endeavor that we want to do. Help us, Lord, to just be faithful in the little things and be faithful to do what you've commanded us to do. And then as you open opportunities for us, as you open the doors, Father, I pray that you will help us to step faithfully through, listening to your word, obeying your, your, your will, and staying in the center of all you would have us to do. And may we receive your blessings of peace and your provision and your protection and your presence with us. Father, thank you for assuring us tonight that no matter how bad life gets, no matter how difficult things may be in our lives, take courage, for you are with us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online. We look forward to seeing you back next Wednesday night. Of course, we're going to be back in Haggai at the very end there, leading into Zechariah. They're contemporary, so they'll mesh right together real good. Don't forget this coming Sunday uh, to join us if you can, uh, 1015 for worship online or 1015 here in, or 1030 in person. Uh, come at 1015. That's a good time to come. That way you're 15 minutes early for service. <clears throat> uh, but we do have Sunday school at 915. So come at that 15 time then. Uh, so, but you have a great week. You stay safe. We'll see you this coming Sunday. Have a blessed week.